Three days ago, he was dying. Three days ago, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for his body. Three days ago, they chose the linen grave cloths to wrap him in. They wrapped him in those grave cloths and they laid him in Joseph's freshly carved tomb and they rolled the stone in place. Three days ago, the powers and the principalities and our unwillingness to embrace the love of God, the love of neighbor, and the message of Jesus of Nazareth put him to death. And three days ago, it seemed like a judgment had been given on his message. And that judgment was, no, this message is not good news for anyone. Three days ago, the story of Jesus of Nazareth, supposed Messiah, was over. Three days ago, someone took their husband to the hospital and could not go in with them. Three days ago, someone lost a brother but couldn't see them in their last days of life. Three days ago, a child started coughing and a mother and a father began to fear the worst. Three days ago, and maybe three weeks ago, and maybe three hours ago, fear crept into somebody's life and made it seem like everything was over. That death had won. But Easter is always a surprise. As we think about Mary in the Gospel of John that I read this morning, as we think about her coming early in the morning, we have no idea why she was coming. In, in John's Gospel, they had already wrapped him in the linen cloths. They'd already done all of the appropriate Jewish burial things that they needed to do, the traditions. And so was she just going there to pray? Was she just going there to, to try to make it real in her mind? Because I'm sure that for these followers of Jesus, of which Mary was one and a very faithful one, that this had to be just as shocking as death is for all of us. And especially when this one so public, so brutal, so scary because the followers knew that what the Romans usually did is they put the leader to death and then they took care of everybody else in the same way. But Mary comes early in the morning and finds a surprise, something unexpected, just like the second chances that we receive. Just like the grace that we receive from God, it is unexpected, it is sometimes unwarranted. I mean, Mary had, I'm sure, seen many, many people die before and no one had ever come out of a tomb. 
I'm sure she'd heard stories of people stealing people from tombs and that sort of thing which happened in ancient times and actually still happens today. So I'm sure when she got there she was thinking, oh, what did somebody do? Did they have to desecrate? Did they have to dishonor my Lord by taking him away? What, did, the, did the authorities do this? Did, did somebody pull some sort of prank? What, what's happening here? And of course she goes back and she brings the other disciples run ahead of her and they, they look in and, and they see something, this detail that is in the Gospel of John is just so interesting. It says that his grave claws were wrapped up and were laid aside. And I'd never made much of that before. But then I read a theologian who said, Jesus laid aside his grave claws. Why? He didn't need them anymore. Grave claws are for dead people. They're for the dead. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus has not yet ascended to the Father, but, but he has conquered death. Death no more has a hold on him. And we believe doesn't have the last word for us anymore either. Jesus lays aside his grave claws because he doesn't need them anymore. Easter is always a surprise. And in this revelation, in this mystery of the resurrection, we, we begin to read into it that the mercy and the grace of God triumphs over all that would undo it. That even three days ago when it looked like Jesus' story was over, that the good news was a big no. As D. Cameron Murchison said, the mercy and grace of God triumphs over all that would undo it. And the cross and the resurrection, as my systematic theology professor wrote, is a judgment upon the world. And it says to the world, you can't overcome my love and grace for you. No matter what you do, even trying to put to death my son, you cannot overcome my love and grace for you. And even more so, even more so, you have the opportunity for a new life, for a new life. And so what are we to do? Well, we need to lay aside our grave claws. Because you see, I think we wrap ourselves in things that are really death for us. More like a living death. We we wrap ourselves in, in, in fear and anxiety. This time in our world has been wrapped with it. We have in some ways wrapped ourselves as we wrap ourselves with masks and and with wipes and with hand sanitizer and with soap. We wrap ourselves not in seeing those things as life-giving and life-keeping, but seeing those things as evidence of fear and anxiety and that death has the last word. But that is not the truth. But we cannot live that truth unless we lay aside the grave cloths. In the letter to the Colossians, 
it says that if you have been raised with Christ, meaning if you have gone into the waters of baptism and you have died with Christ and you have come up, you have laid aside the great cubs. You are to seek the things that are above where Christ is. Because Christ is a, abides with God. Christ is God. And they abide in love together. His life is wrapped up in the life of the Father. And in the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, we too abide when we lay aside the grave cause, as we embrace our baptism. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly. And, and what I read there is, whatever in you is death-dealing. Whatever in you keeps you from living this new life of gratitude, of generosity, and of mercy. Because the powers and the principalities, our own sin, that it wants to keep us from gratitude. It wants to keep us focused on what we don't have. We are constantly wrapping ourselves in the grave claws of comparing ourselves to others. One saying goes, if you want to feel poor, get a bunch of rich friends. If you want to feel rich, get a bunch of poor friends. We make our reality by our perception and we wrap ourselves in the grave claws of death. But that has all been stripped away in the resurrection. And in our baptism as we die and are raised up to new life, those grave claws are wrapped up and set aside, never to be used again. Lay aside the grave cause to live a new life of love and of hope and of service. In Colossians it's written, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. And finally, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together. What he doesn't write here, or what the writer doesn't write here, is that that is going to give you super success in life. That your bank account will be full that you'll be slim and trim and all your clothes will fit, that you're going to feel great about yourself every single day. But what it says is, is that we are called to live a different life, a surprised life, a surprising life, because Easter is always a surprise. And even though you could read that into this, this writing of Colossians, our new life does not take us away from the world. It doesn't take us away from the world. It actually takes us deeper into the world, into these people, these problems, these issues. Because if we're going to clothe ourselves with love, we are going to be called as Easter people, as people who have laid aside the grave cloths, to come alongside of those who are still living in that death-dealing life, who are still wrapping themselves in fear and anxiety, and we are called to be light and hope and the yes of good news to their life and to the life of the world. And so today, this surprise, which just three days ago, Three hours ago, three months ago, three weeks ago, three seconds ago. This life which felt maybe like death was the final answer 
That is not the truth. So you are being called to this Easter surprise. Lay aside your grave claws. You don't need them anymore. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.